Coming up on today's edition of Locked On Eagles, we continue our rankings for the 2022 NFL Draft. This time, we're going into the trenches with the offensive line and the defensive line. You are Locked On Eagles, your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We thank you so much for making Lockdown Eagles your first listen each and every day. Welcome in, everybody, to a Friday edition of the show. I'm Louis DiBiase. Make sure you find the podcast five days a week, Monday through Friday, on all podcast platforms available in video form as well on YouTube. And hit us up on Twitter at LockdownBirds and at DiBiase, L-O-E. As I said today, we are getting into the trenches as we continue our prospect rankings. So for Monday, we did Mock Draft Monday. Tuesday, we did running back and tight end. We did quarterback, excuse me, last Friday with Thor Nystrom of NBC Sports Edge. And then we did wide receiver Wednesday. Today, we are diving into our tackle rankings, guard, and the defensive line, edge, pass rushers, and defensive tackles. So I went one through five with tackles and guards. I did one through 10 on the edge, and then I did five defensive tackles. I I like to go, you know, more substantial with positions I really think the Eagles are going to hone in on. These are two positions the Eagles invest in more than maybe any team, and they've invested in these positions more than any other by a substantial margin over the last not even just the last decade, but the entire 21st century with Andy Reid and Joe Banner, you know, Chip Kelly even, and Howie Roseman. No matter who it is, with Jeffrey Lurie as the Eagles owner, this team's philosophical backbone is you build from in to out. The offensive and defensive line and quarterback, nothing means more than those positions, even to the point where they will neglect other spots or maybe not say neglect, but, you know, they're going to force finding other positions like corner and safety and linebacker deeper in the draft, you know, with band-aid signings, free agency trades, because they believe so much in having long-term stability on the lines. I mean, you look at the last 22 drafts, the start of the 21st century, 80 to 90% of those picks in the first two rounds have been on the offensive or defensive line. I mean, heck, Howie Roseman has only taken a safety or a cornerback in the first two rounds three times since 2010. And linebacker, there's only been one other instance, 2012 with Michael Kendricks. And again, I think that it's the right philosophy to believe in the offensive and defensive line more than anything outside of quarterback. It's the main reason, I think, outside of quarterback that you won a Super Bowl in 2017 I mean, that offensive line in 2017 was incredible, as was the defensive line. So you've been confirmed to be right in this philosophical belief. I think they go a little bit overboard sometimes and neglect other positions a little bit too much to an extreme where they don't even take a year to address those other spots early in the draft. But this is what this team does. And even this year, if they take a corner or a safety or a linebacker or a receiver with one of those first three picks in the first two rounds, I can guarantee you one of those other picks is going to be a lineman. It might not be the first two picks in the first round. Heck, that might be receiver and corner, receiver and safety, maybe even linebacker, Devin Lloyd, Nicobe Dean. But I guarantee you if those two picks aren't a lineman, the 51st overall pick is going to be. The trenches is what this team does. Um, but I, I will say at the same time, I again, I know the Eagles love the trenches, but they should not be taking an offensive lineman in the first round. Defensive line, okay. Like I'm in on an edge. 
especially if somebody like Jermaine Johnson fell, or even if you want to talk yourself into David Ajabo still and wait a year off that torn Achilles, you trade down from pick 18 and take Ajabo at the end of day one. Like I would understand it. I would understand completely if Jordan Davis was on the board and you took a defensive tackle. I do think that there is a short-term and long-term need at those positions, not as much as other spots on defense, but it would make sense. When it comes to the offensive line though, again, I just, I wouldn't do it, especially not a tackle like Jordan Maialata. You have Lane Johnson. Those two are entrenched for years to come as your long-term tackles. Lane Johnson has showed no signs of slowing down. But even like the interior offensive line, I know Tyler Linderbaum from Iowa is getting a lot of connections with the Eagles because, again, that's just what they do. Jason Kelsey could retire soon, and it makes sense that he would be the perfect Kelsey replacement at center. You can keep Landon Dickerson at left guard. You can keep Isaac Sayamalu at right guard. But I just, again, I, th- I think it would be forcing it. I don't think it would be the best player available on the board, and I don't think it's even close to being a top need because while, sure, you could keep Dickerson at the spot he's balling at right now. And Isaac Samalu is a really good guard as well when he plays. Very underrated because he's been sandwiched between Hall of Famers and all pros up front. I think one of those guys, they've both had safety backgrounds. I should say center. You can tell what's on my mind position-wise. But I think they both have a background of playing center at Oregon State for Samalu at Alabama for Landon Dickerson. So you have two options there already. You have Jack Driscoll, who showed he can play at a pretty good level at right guard, as did Nate Herbig. Like Those are four in-house options on the interior offensive line that are young, that are inexpensive, and I just simply think it would be forcing what you believe in philosophically if you took like Linderbaum or Kenyon Green, and I just I don't think the Eagles should do it. You know, normally, even though I, it never excites me if they take a lineman, it's the meat and potatoes. But I do recognize that you have to do that. Normally, I don't stick my nose up at it because it is the meat and potatoes. Like, if you want the sexy sides, you have to have that as well. But this year, if they took a lineman on the offensive side of the football in the first round, maybe even the second round, I don't think I would be happy about it. I think there needs to be a year where they take a break from that, especially when you have long-term pieces at all the spots and prioritize other things in the draft. That doesn't mean don't take a lineman in the third round or at all in the draft. But those first three picks, I really don't want it to be offensive line. But you never know with the Eagles, right? You never know with this team. They love to go trenches. So let's take a look at what their options could be. And we'll start here with the tackle positions, which I think is the least likely of the Eagles' first-round selections. But just taking a look here, I, I do think that, you know, you look at Ikem Ikwanu from NC State, you know, I think he's going to be maybe the first overall pick with Jacksonville. So I don't think the Eagles are even going to have a chance. I like him better than Alabama's Evan Neal. I love both players and their upside. Like these are top tier tackles that should be top five selections. And I think they will be. But Aquanu, I think, I think Neal is the safer pick. But you guys know me, like even 2013 going that far back, Eric Fisher and Luke Jokel, Ironically enough, we're seen as safer picks than Lane Johnson. It's why they were the first two picks off the board. Lane Johnson was fourth overall, but I think it's clear that Lane Johnson, not even close, is the best player of that top five, and he was the upside guy. So I tend to lean Aquanu number one. Evan Neal is my second tackle overall, and then I like Charles Cross, too, from Mississippi State at three, but I think all three of them are going to be top ten picks anyway, so I don't think the Eagles would have a chance. 
I like Trevor Penning. He from uh, UNI is my fourth overall tackle. And then Darian Kennard from the University of Kentucky, kind of a tweener, maybe translates more to guard at the next level, but I really like his size and reach. You know, learning to get better, anchoring against bowl rushes. I noticed he struggled against, you know, some power rushers at the senior bowl a little bit, but I really like the upside with Kennard as well. He could be an option for the Eagles, maybe in the second round, if you do think that he could be your Halapuli Vadi Vitae tweener that plays so many different spots, your roamer, if you will, on the offensive line. I do think Darian Kennard would make some sense, but when it comes to my top five tackles, Aquanu, Neal, Cross, Penning, and Kennard, I don't think the top four makes sense for what the Eagles want. And then if we take a look at moving to guard, now this could be in play. Again, I don't want this to be the case, but I do think that when you look at the tackles, Tyler Linderbaum specifically, it, it does make some sense that they would want to go Linderbaum or Kenyon Green from Texas A&M. Those players, you know, they, they, they certainly are options. I don't think they should be. But here are the top five guards that I would go with. My top five guards would be in this order. Number one, it would be Iowa's Tyler Linderbaum. Number two, I like Kenyon Green from Texas A&M. I think he'll probably be a day one pick, as will be Zion Johnson from Boston College. Those are my top three. And then I really like Sean Ryan, too, from UCLA and Dylan Parham from Memphis. Those are five options that I think will interest the Eagles. I don't think tackle makes much sense for this team. I don't love the interior offensive line either, but if there were going to be some options, you know, maybe even at 18 specifically, I think you're looking at Linderbaum, Zion Johnson, and Kenyon Green. Again, I like Kenyon Green a little bit better than Zion Johnson. My co-host, Gino Camilleri, he likes Johnson a little more than Green, but Linderbaum, Green, and Johnson, keep an eye on those players. If the Eagles are going to go with an offensive lineman in the first round, I would all but guarantee it would be one of those players. But if not, again, I mentioned, you know, Darian Kennard in the second round, if they want to go offensive line depth later, I do think, you know, when it comes to guard depth, Sean Ryan, Dylan Parham from Memphis, those are some options as well. If they want to wait until day two, let's get into coming up next, the defensive line. This is a position. I think there's a much better chance. The Eagles go with early on. It could be edge or defensive tackle, it could be both. And it could be a tweener now with this new look defense. That's coming up next right here on Locked on Eagles. And guys, today's show is sponsored by BlueNile.com. At BlueNile.com, you can celebrate all of life's special moments from creating the custom engagement ring of her dreams to gifting a classic and timeless jewelry piece, all at the prices you won't find at a traditional jeweler. From diamond jewelry, cocktail rings, tennis bracelets, they have it all for this Mother's Day. Get your mom, wife, girlfriend, heck, even the in-law, something special this year at Blue Nile. Whether she prefers a statement piece or everyday subtle elegance, BlueNile.com has fine jewelry options for every mom. Shop high-quality classic diamond earrings, elegant tennis bracelets, or gemstone pennant necklaces. Whether it's everyday fine jewelry or wedding rings and bands, they have you covered. If you're looking for jewelry but you're having trouble choosing, Blue Nile also has experts on hand 24-7 on the phone or with online chat and to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. This Mother's Day, give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com, and Lockdown listeners get $50 off $500. This podcast exclusive is only good through Mother's Day, so get it while it's good. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN. That's promo code LOCKDOWN. Plus, orders are insured, shipped free, and arrive in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. 
Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. All right, Eagles fans, Louis DiBiase joining you on this Friday edition of the show, previewing the trenches, the offensive and defensive line. Um, For sure, the offensive line, I would say, is less likely to be a first-round selection, maybe even the second round, considering what they have up front at all five spots, both short-term and long-term. But with the Eagles, especially on the interior right now with Jason Kelsey's retirement at any moment, probably after the 2022 season, if Tyler Linderbaum went off the board, I really wouldn't be too surprised. So you never know. But I do think the defensive line is the spot to take a closer look at with those top picks. And I think there are some really good options. And I think, too, when it comes to depth, you know, in the bottom half of the first round, the second round, I think the Eagles kind of like the offensive line would be better off waiting. And something that bothers me, by the way, when it comes to fans and media analysts alike that discuss the Eagles' need, you know, discussing what they have on the edge at defensive end and what their mindset should be at the position heading into the draft, it seems like a lot of time people just are not including Hassan Riddick when discussing, again, what the Eagles have for pass rushers. And while, sure, you could definitely use pass rushers behind Josh Sweat and Hassan Riddick. You've got no idea what Brandon Graham has left in his 30s coming off a torn Achilles. You don't want to bank on that long term. We'll see if he can you know, still be a rotational defensive end three or four for a couple more years. Derek Barnett's on a two-year deal. You're locked in really only for this year. I doubt he's going to take any next step in year, what, five now, year six. So I can't see year six. I can't see that happening. So, yeah, I mean, if David Ajabo is available or let's say, you know, Kevon Thibodeau or Jermaine Johnson or Trayvon Walker, Arnold Abakiti fell down the board in round one or two, yeah, 100% you should consider that position. But what bothers me is some people are saying, like, they only have one young edge on at least a two-plus-year contract, talking about Josh Sweat. Like, I know Hassan Riddick isn't technically a defensive end, but... The NFL doesn't have traditional defensive ends anymore or outside linebackers, defensive tackle. Like, it's just not how it works anymore. Everybody, you know, it's just, it's so much more complex and not black and white. And Hassan Riddick is one of your top edge rushers. Like, yeah, again, he's technically a linebacker and there will be times that he drops back into space and he's out there with five other defensive linemen, right? And he's the sixth guy on the edge or roaming around, maybe blitzing through the A gap or B gap. But as Nick Sirianni said in a press conference a month ago, Hassan Riddick was paid by the Eagles to rush the quarterback. Like he's an edge rusher. 99% of the time, he's going to be one of your four primary rushers. So to exclude him from this conversation and say like the Eagles need one badly because they only have Josh Sweat for more than a year is just not true. Like, yes, again, I'm still in on an edge if one falls. Again, I don't think, though, it's going to be good value after, let's say, Walker or Thibodeau or Johnson. Like, I don't love the idea of George Karloftis in the first round. Maybe even Arnold Ebikidi at like 15 or 18. Maybe 18, I, I could see. But, you know, or Ajabo, I would want to wait a little later. Because, again, I think with Sweat and Riddick, those are two long-term foundation pieces you have on the edge as pass rushers. So, again, I agree that they need one to a certain degree, but not as much as others because others are not 
including Hassan Riddick. And I think that's two tunnel vision, black and white, old school thinking of, oh, he's a linebacker. So, and to think that, you know, he's going to be one of six linemen every single snap. And maybe he's more of a traditional linebacker than people are saying. Like, I don't think people realize how few times he's going to be in space. Like he's going to get after the quarterback. His job is to get behind the line of scrimmage, not go beyond it, you know, not go farther back. So I think edges in play, but maybe not as much as some others because of the presence of Hassan Riddick, who they paid big time in free agency this year. But again, it is on the table, and especially in day two, this is a really deep class, and I think the Eagles could wait and still get some really good players. Let's take a look at my top 10 edge rushers for the 2022 NFL Draft. Number one, I have Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan. And that might surprise people considering what I like in prospects. I'm fighting my urge and belief in certain looking prospects. You guys, I, you guys know, I love the long explosive fast upside player. Even if they're a little more raw, I'm willing to take a chance on that guy over the motor, high effort, high ceiling player. And Aiden Hutchinson, it's not fair to put him in that box. Like, I don't think he's as physically gifted as Jermaine Johnson. He doesn't have the same get off as Kayvon Thibodeau or, you know, Trayvon Walker, you know, a Nick Benito, right, is a pure speed rusher all over the formation. But man, his hand usage is, again, he's not the player I love, but I can't deny how good he is and that he is the best of this class for other reasons. His hand usage is superb. His counters, when he doesn't initially win or the offensive lineman beats him to contact, his power, his bend. You know, he played all over the formation at defensive tackle, stand up on the outside. He's a complete product, and I think he's going to be the first overall pick likely to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, one of my top two in these rankings, Ike McQuanu or Hutchinson, will probably be that top pick. Where I differ with Gino, he has Kayvon Thibodeau, shocker, the Oregon fan, has him at number two, but I have Florida State edge rusher Jermaine Johnson. He's my favorite prospect of this group, the length, the speed, the power. He's so violent, and you could feel at the Senior Bowl, I wasn't impressed with anybody more live watching him up close than Johnson. The high energy, the violence, the power, and he hasn't even scratched the surface yet of what he can be. The way he can set the edge, by the way, against the run two screen game, it is really hard to get around Johnson. I I've said it before. I just feel like he's going to be the heartbeat of a defense for a long time. And I think he's going to be a top 10 pick. The guy the Eagles could have a chance at is Kayvon Thibodeau. I think if one guy, and it's because of the narrative about his effort and people are nervous about that, I tend to stay away from effort and talking about things like that since I don't know what happens behind closed doors. I think the bigger improvement on the field he needs is to develop more counters. But because of some of those things, I think Thibodeau is the one edge rusher in this top tier that has a chance of falling to the Eagles. And I'm banking on that get-off speed and that power. It's absolutely absurd. Traits, traits, and traits. I would risk it with Thibodeau. He's my three edge rusher. And then Georgia edge Trayvon Walker at four. Like that's where the cutoff is to me in tier one for edge rushers. Like Walker, another guy that played everywhere at Georgia, you know, inside, outside. He could drop back into space. There's a reason suddenly he's getting crazy hype about potentially being the top pick to Jacksonville. And if not, being a top five pick. I mean, talk about somebody that thrived off offseason hype more than most and his stock soared, it's two of the guys in this tier. In the entire draft, not just on the edge, Jermaine Johnson and Trayvon Walker. 
A guy, by the way, that's not getting enough love is my number five edge rusher here. It's Penn State's Arnold Ebikidi. This guy, talk about physical traits. If you can get him, okay, I will say, you know, I said after Walker or Thibodeau that it probably wouldn't be good value for the Eagles to go edge in the first round unless you traded down for David Ajabo. Arnold Ebikidi, I would trade down for him or I'd be comfortable taking him at 18. Listen to some of these stats from Ebikidi. Only 19% of his career pressures went unblocked. That's pretty impressive considering you look at other guys in this class. Trayvon Walker, his career pressures that went unblocked, 49%. Jermaine Johnson, 35%. Drake Jackson from USC, my number 10 edge rusher in this class, going to be a likely first or second round pick, 39%. Even Thibodeau and Hutchinson, they were at 25%. He also, Ebikidi, was money on third and four plus, the money down pass rushing situations when you need to get to the quarterback, 31% of his pressures came in that situation on third and four plus. For our Eagles fans out there that are also Nittany Lions fans, I want your pass rusher, Arnold Ebikidi. Between Ebikidi, Jaquan Brisker, Jahan Dotson, get me one of these Penn State guys. Even Jesse Laquetta later on is a good uh, value pass rusher later on, maybe in the third or fourth round. Um, and then David Ajabo, I know he tore his Achilles, but he still is talented enough and has enough upside for me to put him at number six. And uh, the only reason I wouldn't put him higher, if he was healthy, he'd probably be higher than Ebikidi, maybe even over Walker or Thibodeau. It'd be pretty close. I really like the Jabos game. I think for the Eagles, he still makes sense because you got to think long-term with this team, with this draft. Like, you know, you want the guy to come in and be an instant impact player right off the bat. The Eagles are trying to win this year, but at the same time, like, they're still building and you don't not take a Jabo because he's not going to probably play this year. Yeah. If th- there might be a tiebreaker between him and Ibikitty. Like if they're, you know, I don't know, 18 and 20 on your board. Yeah. The tiebreaker might be the injury for, I mean, a torn Achilles is, is coming into the NFL. We know if Sidney Jones is nothing to just overlook, but the talent is still there and the Eagles still have a long-term look here with the draft that he's number six. George Karloff, this is lower for me than most at seven. High floor, low ceiling player. I don't know. I saw the Brandon Graham comparison. I feel Derek Barnett-esque too there where I just don't know if he'll ever be good enough to justify a first-round pick. Gives me like AJ Epineza vibes a few years ago from Iowa. And then at number eight, I love Oklahoma edge rusher Nick Benito. Had the second highest percentage of sacks come within 1.6 to 2 seconds, according to Pro Football Focus. He is explosive. He can get to the quarterback really fast and he can line up everywhere. Like he was a lot of the time as your Jannard Avery, like stand up blitzing from the inside. Keep in mind, a lot of those pressures that came within 1.6 to two seconds did come, you know, in the middle. So it's a lot easier, I think, to get to the quarterback blitzing and going through the A gap or the B gap compared to winning one-on-one on the edge, maybe even being double teamed a lot like Thibodeau and Hutchinson were and you know those top-tier guys, Jermaine Johnson of Florida State as well. But Benito makes sense now for the Eagles because he is a Hassan Riddick-type tweener that you're going to move across the formation. He's not a traditional hand-in-the-dirt defensive end. He wouldn't work in Jim Schwartz's defense, but he works in Jonathan Gannon's defense, and I could see them taking him in the second round. Same with Boye Mafe from Minnesota. Really impressed me at the Senior Bowl. He had the third highest percentage of pressures coming on third and four plus in this class at 26%. And then rounding out my top 10 is USC edge rusher Drake Jackson. One thing, and I talked to a USC scout that I'm good friends with, 
Um, want to see him give more effort. That's definitely the area of improvement with him. He's got to give 110% every snap, and you don't always see that. You see him take some plays off. But again, with me, I'm willing to take a risk on those kind of guys sometimes because the upside is there with the traits. Um, and I think Drake Jackson, if he does you know, find that motor, because he, it's not like he never has it. He's not Jalen Rager where it feels like he's taking the play off 50% of the time. Like It does look like he genuinely loves football. Um, if he really puts that together, though, he could be a steal on day two if he reaches his ceiling. Like he's he's that talented. I'm comfortable. Some might see it as a risk in the first two rounds, but I, again, you guys know me. That's the kind of player that I like with Drake Jackson, and uh, I would be okay with him at 51 overall. So those are my top 10 edge rushers in the 2022 class. It's a deep class. I think the Eagles could go with one early, especially if they do see some fall in that top tier, like specifically, I think the only two that have a chance are Jermaine Johnson or Kayvon Thibodeau. But if not, I mean, you heard me like Ajabo, Ebikidi, George Karloftis, Nick Benino, Boye Mafi, Drake Jackson. Didn't even mention Joshua Pascal from Kentucky, who I really like as a, you know, interior defensive line, um, edge rusher kind of tweener. It's a good deep class. And I think you could wait and be just fine for the Philadelphia Eagles. Let's get into the interior coming up next. We'll talk defensive tackles, my top five. But guys, first, a shout out to another one of our sponsors. It's the official sportsbook of the Lockdown Podcast Network, Bet Online. Make sure you're betting on where you think the Eagles are going to go in the draft next week, what positions are going to go at what spots, how many are going to go in each round. You can find all of it at your number one source for all your betting stats and sports information needs at betonline.net. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NBA playoffs and the start of the MLB season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sport wagering information from live betting to playoffs, eSports, Boston Scott taking over for a team this year, Jay Ajayi too. The Eagles are pretty in on eSports. So much more. Head over to the website, BetOnline.net today, or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action because BetOnline, it's where the game starts. All right, Eagles fans, welcome back into this Friday edition of Lockdown Eagles. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Eagles your first listen each and every day. Also, guys, an announcement next Thursday. For the first time ever, Lockdown is hosting live coverage of the entire 2022 NFL Draft starting with the first round from our studios in Dallas with pick-by-pick analysis from our local team experts, including myself and draft gurus across the network. Tune in all three days as our draft team guides you through every pick and every trade in real time. It all starts on Thursday, April 28th at 7 p.m. Eastern time, available on Lockdown NFL on YouTube and on the Odyssey app. Today, we're continuing our rankings on Lockdown Eagles, going through the 2022 NFL Draft prospects, talking offensive line. You know, we did our top five tackles and guards. I gave you my top 10 edge rushers. Now, top five defensive tackles. Defensive tackle, um, I feel I'm kind of split on what the Eagles should do because while Fletcher Cox is only on a one-year deal, and it probably is his last year with the Eagles, if not second last, you know, I don't know how much longer he has. At the same time, and again, Jordan Davis would probably be the best player available on the board at 15. And he is a game changer, I think, at the position, at an important position. So I'm not saying don't take an interior lineman. I would rather have Jordan Davis than most other edge rushers over David Ajabo, over Arnold Abikidi for sure. Maybe even over Thibodeau. I think you could make the case. Um, But after Davis, I don't know. I, I don't love the idea of Devontae Wyatt in the first round, 
Again, it is a need per se because you don't know what Milton Williams is going to be. But between Javon Hargrave getting a new deal soon, coming off a career year in Philadelphia, between what I really liked from Milton Williams, the progress he made in the second half of the season, you know, it is a need for sure. And you want more than two tackles. The Eagles love getting pressure up the middle, especially against non-mobile quarterbacks. It kills them. But I just, again, I I don't think kind of like Edge – if Jordan Davis doesn't fall, anybody's going to be worth that pick. Here's a look at what my top five has to offer. And number one is Jordan Davis, I think by far. And then there's quite the drop-off. I, I think Devontae Wyatt, like, you know, I think kind of like David Ajabo, he benefited from having, you know, Aiden Hutchinson on the other side for Ajabo. Wyatt having Jordan Davis next to him, having Trayvon Walker next to him as well. But I, I will say on the other end, Davis and Walker did benefit from having Wyatt. I think Wyatt's a good player. I think he's a first-round prospect, but I just think compared to, you know, the tier of corners that are going to be available, the safeties as well, Wyatt's not good enough, and it's not a big enough need for me to say it's justified taking him at either spot. If the Eagles do want to wait, though, Perry and Winfrey at number three from Oklahoma, man, he wrecked the senior bowl. This is a pass-rushing defensive tackle. Might even be a late first-round selection. And then for me, number four was actually a guy I mentioned in segment two talking about edge rushers. It's Joshua Pascal from the University of Kentucky. But again, you know, technically he's listed as a defensive end, but he reminds me kind of of Charles Amenehue from Texas a couple of years ago, now on the San Francisco 49ers, where I think that Pascal is going to play a lot inside, especially with the Eagles. Like if they have Hassan Riddick out there too, and you have five linemen, He'll be that fifth lineman with his hand in the dirt. So I think Pascal is a versatile player that would be really good value at 51. And then number five, Texas A&M defensive tackle, DeMarvin Leal. I don't love his pass rushing ability. And to me, that's the priority for me at all spots on the defensive line. So he'd be my number five guy. So yeah, to me, I mean, I I like Davis in the first round. But after that, I think if the Eagles are going to go with a defensive tackle, I like probably more day two, second or third round. Like if Perry and Winfrey would fall, you know, that's a player I like. I think Joshua Pascal makes the most sense as somebody that, again, when Hassan Riddick's out there, can play, you know, more inside. You know, he can also play on first or second down as a traditional defensive end. I think he can kind of do it all. Another Milton Williams type of versatile player. If you had a rotation of Hargrave, Cox, Milton Williams and Joshua Pascal is your four primary inside defensive linemen. I think that's a good situation to have. DeMarvin Leal maybe even two later on, but uh, Leal is my least favorite of this top five. All right, guys, that's going to do it for today's edition of Locked on Eagles. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure Locked on Eagles is your first listen each and every day. Available five days a week on all podcast platforms, Monday through Friday in video form as well on YouTube. And hit us up on Twitter at Locked on Birds at DBLOE. As always, thank you so much for making Lockdown Eagles your first listen each and every day. Make sure the Lockdown NFL Draft Podcast is your second listen with Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker. They bring the draft to life each and every day within 30 minutes talking about all the latest prospect news that you need and analysis as well with the draft just less than a week away, guys. Six days away. As always, thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening and watching. And let's go, Birds.